0: Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we're very happy to have with us today author Ferris Cassell, who has just released a book called The Unanswered Letter. And I think you're going to find this story absolutely fascinating. I know I did. I'm going to read a little intro to the book for you listeners just to get this started. The title of the book, The Unanswered Letter, One Holocaust Family's Desperate Plea for Help. You are surely informed about the situation of all Jews in Central Europe. This 50-plus-year-old letter read, Help us to follow our children. It is our last and only hope. This was the desperate plea of Alfred Berger, mailed in a letter to an American stranger who happened to share his last name. Fifty years later, after languishing in a trunk in a California attic, the letter improbably found itself in the hands of journalist Ferris Cassell, who wouldn't rest until she had discovered the ending to this incredible story. Ferris, it's great to have you with us today.
1: Thanks, John. I appreciate your having me here.
0: Ferris, uh, please do just jump right into this story. It, I found it to be absolutely incredible. I couldn't put it down. It's such a fantastic piece of history, and it's a tremendous story. Uh, tell us how it all got started.
1: Well, um Yes, the story actually um, kind of walked into my kitchen door one evening when I was cooking dinner. My husband brought the letter you were, you read to people uh, from. They brought it home one evening and said that a patient of his had um, given it to him that day. It had been sent to her uncle. Um, it, several, you know, several generations earlier and Then um, it had come to her and she gave it to my husband probably He thought because she he was the only Jew that she knew When he showed me the letter and I read it. It was just a uh, really deeply deeply moving This Jewish man referring to quote the situation of all Jews in Central Europe and pleading for help for him, his name is Alfred Berger, pleading for help for himself and his wife Hedwig to immigrate. He said his daughter and his wife already had a way to come to America, but they, Alfred and Hedwig, had no way, and he was begging for help, holding, and I just felt like I was holding a life in my hands too.
0: Exactly. What was the date that he wrote this letter and exactly what situation was surrounding Alfred Berger? Where was he and what was the situation at that time?
1: The letter is written, the return address is Vienna, Germany. That would be Vienna under the Austrian, uh, the German occupation. It was dated August 5th, 1939 which was really just days from World War II igniting across Europe.
0: And Germany had annexed Austria at that time. Yes. So they had, they had already filed all the names of the Jews residing in Austria, and they already had plans as to what they were going to do with them. The only way yes. you could get out was how. So
1: the Jews were desperate to flee um, the German Reich. They were already being sent to the early form of concentration camps, and they were suffering severe, severe persecution. But the uh, Nazis also were charging exorbitant exit taxes. They were stripping the Jews of all their assets. So these hordes, uh, you know, these floods of, of uh, penniless refugees were not welcomed around the world doors were slammed shut and um, America had very strict quotas for immigration and those quotas were held held firm. so Alfred and Hedwig got in line along with thousands of other Jews to get a quota number for immigration to America but their number was a, numbers were about 45,000. And those numbers, in fact, would never, never rise to
0: the top. So they needed a letter that passed to America.
1: You need an affidavit of support to, and still do today um, in many cases, to um, immigrate into America. This states that an American citizen will be willing to sponsor your immigration and be responsible for you so that no immigrants would become a public charge. And so Alfred and Hedwig were begging for an affidavit of, of sponsorship from an American citizen, strangers.
0: And they knew so nobody was, in America. He and, somehow found the name Berger yes. and and an address in L.A., was it? And wrote Yet, to that address. This
1: Berger family was in Los Angeles who kept this letter. The main post office in Vienna kept um, phone books when there used to be phone books for for people from major cities all over the world. And this is probably how Alfred and Hedwig found this address. And they probably wrote a number of letters begging for help.
0: So here's a desperate plea. The letter makes it to this family burger in Los Angeles. And what happened from that point on?
1: I interviewed my husband's patient to find the answer to that question myself. I had thought perhaps this would be an interesting story. I was a journalist for the local daily newspaper, and I thought this would make a a very interesting human interest story. And I hoped it would be a story, sort of a greater, greatest generation type story of an American family that reached out to help. Um, My husband is a physician, and his patient, a longtime patient, brought the letter to him telling him she thought it was a piece of history, that, and perhaps he would know what to do with it. I asked my husband when he brought it home, why would she say that to, to him? And he said, well, I'm probably the only Jew that she knows. So, <laughs> that didn't make any sense to me without reading the letter, but once I read the letter of this desperate Jew, then, then I understood. It was all clear.
0: You said you had a feeling from the moment you first saw that letter that you wanted to at least find answers to what had happened, why the letter wasn't answered, what happened to this family, what happened to this man. Then the contents of this book take us through an incredible journey that you made uh, spiritually and physically for what looks like years trying to unravel this story. How did you go about unraveling it?
1: Well, my first job was to go to the Vienna Archives and try to find out anything about Alfred and Hedwig. The Vienna Archives used to boast that they had records from, quote, time out of mind. <laughs> they 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 keep amazing records of all their citizens, and, and they did and they still do. We're not quite familiar, we haven't been familiar with that in America, but In Austria, that was just what always had happened. So I did find out Alfred and Hedwig's existence. I found out where they had lived, and I found, most importantly, the name of their, the last name of their married daughter who had immigrated to America. The last name is Cizes, C-I-Z-E-S. It's a very rare name in America, which was lucky for me because it helped me to locate the burger's granddaughter in New York City so I did find the contact information for her I wrote her about this letter which I believed Alfred was her grandfather and that she would be um, very interested in in receiving the letter herself so I wrote her and phoned her for uh, every day for a month before she finally got the courage to answer. Um, she had been, and in the beginning, she was quite suspicious. She thought this was a, a big invasion of her privacy at best, and at worst, some sort of a scam. But when I read her the letter and she realized it truly was her grandfather, she wept. She wept. And we later became a, friends and a team working to research her family history, which she really never knew, had never known.
0: We'll return to our interview with Paris Cassell and the unanswered letter right after this message from our sponsor. And now back to our show. What were the biggest surprises for you in this search and how long did it take?
1: The search I had intended, as I, as I said, for this to be a human interest story in my local newspaper. But the more I found out, the more this story opened up. And the more I learned, the more I wanted to know. And the more important this story seemed to become. So the most surprising things to me were probably what I feel was the nobility of this trapped family. They were courageous. They were kind. They were loving, and their dignity um, through the worst, worst of times, w- were an inspiration for me. And I felt that even though they were ordinary, <clears throat> really lower middle class people, they were important because they because they were human, because they're ordinary people like I am, like like I believe everybody is really.
0: There had to have been a lot of tears and pain on all sides as you experienced this search. What are some of the moments you remember best about people opening up, about people revealing their guilt or not? And what did you experience there?
1: There were so many moments like that. So many. One of the most disturbing Moments was when I was in uh, Vienna. My husband and I were there um, working with the Burger descendants to keep uncovering the story and experiencing the Vienna where their family had lived. So, um, on one occasion, I had found a, a former Hitler youth member and she agreed to talk with me. So we went to her apartment. She was kind and gracious. Um, And she told us how she had grown up um, as a member of Hitler Youth. She said all the girls joined. Everybody did. And then she said, it was like your scouts. Well, that was really a heads up right there, that she was coming from a different place than than we were. So she said that she liked the Hitler Youth because they did these fun things like camping and drilling and all her drill, you know, the, being in a drill team and marching. Um, she didn't mention all the uh, the um, brainwashing that happened, the anti-Semitic the, um, becoming a mother was such a, you know, having many Nazi children. Um, was part of the brainwashing campaign, but um, she told I, I asked her, "Well, how?" And she said, "I never had anything against the Jews." So I said, "Well, what did you think? What What were you feeling when you would walk down the streets and you would see how the Jews were treated? You would see them wearing the yellow star." And she looked really past me, and she looked straight at Sydney, who who is Jewish. I'm. I'm not. And um, she said, "I can't explain it." She said, "It's just something that was. That's the way things were." And I did not even think about it. She said, "I had that. She had Jewish friends um, currently, and she's talked about it with them." She said, "I can't explain it." And then she looked at me and she said. Perhaps you in America might feel that you have some kind of a similar experience as you look at your own history. And that was, um, you know, that was a sharp and uh, meaningful response from her. It did not explain the severe and brutal treatment that she must have witnessed, especially because her father had been uh, the station master of the railroad station where Hedwig would eventually be deported she did say i asked her about that and she did say that as a child their family lived above the station that's how it worked in those days and she she um, loved to look out of the windows at night and see the steam billowing in the night in the lights um and loved to watch the people the shadowy forms of people on the platform, and I, my heart just stopped because that's the time of, you know, the, all these Jews were deported at night. So those were the shadowy forms that, as a child, she had been watching, and and not not grasping what it all meant.
0: The book does an excellent job of detailing as you proceed on your journey. One relative at a a time, literally. And the family begins to, the surviving part of the family begins to recall. A lot of them didn't know. Some of them did know certain things. Which parts of the family were most helpful? And including, tell us a little bit about the family that had literally saved a whole dining room. (laughs) A a treasure trove of information, I think, as you put it.
1: Yes, it was. Um, There were several big moments of discovery. Celia Sizes, I have to say, takes center stage as the most helpful. And one reason that this book took me a decade to research and write is that about the point, a couple years into the story, when I was thinking I was ready to write, she um, called me late one night and said, oh my god, you will not believe what I've just found. She'd found a suitcase pushed to the back of a, of a closet. And, um, in that suitcase were over a hundred letters written by Alfred and Hedwig to their daughter in America after her, their daughter had been able to escape, um, detailing their lives. So those were written in an old form of German, uh, handwriting, um, called Zutterlin that, um, even the members of the German department at the local University of Oregon could not tran- could not decipher. So it took me a long time to get those letters translated. It, um, but that was really one of the most moving moments. I realized that I would really hear the voices of Alfred and Hedwig Berger. This finding, this this Vienna room, this room um dedicate this one room of a house in the home of a burger descendant was totally devoted to generations of family records um not just about the holocaust but going back for uh till the mid 1800s uh so it was a stunning stunning discovery it was actually alfred and hedwig's brother whose descendants kept this room, kept all these records. He graciously invited me with Celius Isis uh, to come and look through his records. The room was, he had built this room onto his house and with a closet, he had the dining room table that his grandparents had brought from Vienna, pictures on the walls, That had come from that dining room and a great, um, she called it, he called it a vitrina, a glass display case holding knickknacks and plates and pictures. He had so much um, and a whole closet bulging with boxes of of letters and, and pictures. So there I found the first picture of Alfred Berger and his family. And I learned the story. Of his whole extended family who had been trapped in Vienna, so I think those two dis- those two discoveries were were really among the most deeply significant emotionally and in terms of finding the story.
0: How much did Alfred and Hedwig's descendants know about their fate, if anything?
1: Well, there were uh, there was Celia sizes in New York whose family couldn't stop talking about the Holocaust. But these were family stories, and they were in bits and pieces. And it had been over years over Celia's lifetime that she'd heard these stories. And as I did research, I found that there were huge gaps in the stories. And little pieces of memory um, didn't have any context. So while she knew the names of all of the family members, which was fabulous and very helpful. A lot of the stories were um, were just bits and pieces. She did have a lot of records. These letters, for instance, and so she was she was most helpful. And she helped me to connect with uh, the descendants in Israel of the Berger's second daughter. That daughter is not mentioned in Alfred and. Hedwig's unanswered letter. She had escaped so quickly out of Vienna. Um, taken, she, she sailed on a Greek pirate ship to Palestine, um, evading the British, you know, warships guns, uh, and ended up swimming ashore. But she did survive in Palestine and uh, she had two children who I was able to contact, and they were enormously helpful. Also, they came to the, they came and met us in Vienna, and together we all researched and discovered uh, the family story.
0: Now, is she the one who called you. Uh, I think you must have recorded a lot, even even telephone calls. And her English was not very good at all. And you were on your way to a meeting at that time, and and you the way you wrote that word for word was really brought me into the story because it was just another example as, as I was reading the book of how well you related exactly what the contacts were made and what these people had to say and what the real emotional moments were. What do you recall yeah. of that?
1: All right. Well, I don't know that at this minute I can recall
0: <laughs> it. Worse.
1: You may recall it better, but yes, I was actually on my way to a funeral As it turns out, coincidentally. And suddenly on my cell phone, I'm driving and I get this phone call. Hello, hello, Faris. And I'm going, uh, yes, this is Faris. Who is this? And, um, I couldn't understand exactly who she was. Um, I hadn't heard her voice. I only had known her name was Judith. And so when I heard her say, this is Judith. This is Judith um i it took me a moment to put it all together and to understand that this was a burger descendant calling me from Israel, so um, I needed to explain to her that I was driving and and um I couldn't speak at the moment i I would could she call me back? Could I call her
0: yeah i've and, got that i I forgot that part right here if you don't mind me reading she, it to yeah, to our listeners. She, 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 Hello, hello, Ferris. Yes, this is Ferris. Who is this? Judith. I heard, followed by a stream of excited conversation. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear. Who is this? Another burst of talking. I heard Celia's name several times, and I deduced that this was Celia's Israeli cousin, Gretel's daughter, Judith. I wanted to talk, but I was late for a meeting. I apologized. Judith didn't understand. She kept talking. I cannot talk now, I interrupted, speaking loudly, over-enunciating. May I call you later? She didn't understand this either. I collected my thoughts. Please write to Celia, I offered. She will contact us by mail. Another flurry of enthusiasm. These people are so excited. Someone has lit up their world and brought back a little family history that's very, very important, either not talked about at all and very little known, or on other parts of the family some some knew it pretty well. And not for the first time. I wished that I had better language skills. <laughs> but you're so you're very human in, in the way you write this and I and I found it quite enjoyable for that for that reason.
1: Thank you. When when Judith Judith uh first heard about the letter, Celia called her with great excitement to tell her about the letter. Judith Fell to the floor. She was so emotional, and and she too just cried. She immediately called her brother Micha, who uh, was just about to leave the house um, to go to a big event, and and told him stay at home, stay at home. Celia is going to call you about our grandfather, and when the Celia did call him and apparently he too wept when he heard these words from the past from this grandfather they knew almost nothing about. Because while Celia's family had talked incessantly about the Holocaust, Judith and Mika's family said nothing. Every time they asked a question, their mother burst into tears. And so they had learned never to talk about it, and they knew absolutely nothing. So the whole family was hungry to learn.
0: What did happen to Alfred and Hedwig and any other members of the immediate family that were still in Austria?
1: Some some of the family's experiences are really um, transcendent stories of desperation and, and escape. Um, there was a Burger nephew who escaped by going at night over the Alps into Switzerland. There was um, Alfred and Hedwig's son-in-law was a Polish immigrant and he escaped uh, first on a ship to Cuba, which was turned back. He was interned in France for two years. He ended up Uh, being interned by the French army, running with the French army from the invading Nazis and invading Germany. So there were all different kinds of experiences. Alfred and Hedwig survived in Vienna until 1942. In 1942, Alfred, who was legally blind at that time, and carried a white cane, was uh, walking across a, a very familiar street where he'd crossed many times before, and he was struck down by a German army truck and killed on the street. He had been slated for deportation just uh, two weeks later. His wife, Hedwig, was still slated, and now she was alone. She did, she was deported, uh, alone, it just, I can't even imagine the horror of that ex- time. She'd been married for her whole, whole life, she was then about 55, she'd been married at about 20, and now she was alone, most of her friends had been deported at that time, or had been able to immigrate. And she was uh, put on a train to Minsk. I also uh, took the train to Minsk. It was a modern train and not a uh, deportation train during wartime. And the journey, that journey for me was, I think, twelve hours, fourteen hours. For Hedwig, that journey lasted almost a week, with minimal food, no no sanitation and brutality at numerous points. So her, her experience was certainly one from hell. And when she reached Minsk, she was immediately loaded onto a truck with, with the other thousand men, women, and uh, children, driven to a pit that had been dug, and she was shot at close range and killed
0: very sorry to hear that you know yeah. the, the the whole suspense in this book centers to me around the letter that alfred wrote and that it made it to its destination the burgers and i have worked trying to i've worked trying to put myself in their shoes they receive a letter from someone who's not a part of their family the only thing this person shares is their same name um, they know very little Americans knew very little about what was going on uh, at that point at that point of history uh, yeah. they didn't really know what was going to be happening to Jews they really hadn't heard of Anschluss they hadn't heard of Hitler's ultimate plans and what he had set up and what he was trying to do over there so they I would imagine that not knowing all that they had no reason to react instantaneously to a letter from people that they did not know. Yes. And what how did that all enter your mind? And we try to find ourselves looking back, we can say well, we can be armchair quarterbacks. Oh well let's go find let's go find a, a friend or, or another burger or, or let's just write the letter back. It seems easy for us to say today. Yes. But looking back at the picture of that family. Do they know how far you went with this letter and with this research and with this family? And what are their feelings about it?
1: Yes. Um, You're you're correct that nobody in the world could imagine such a thing as the Holocaust. Nobody would have dreamed such a thing could happen. And in fact, Hitler had not really evolved his... His plan um, to the stage of total murder when when it all began he thought he would just free the German lands um, from from having any any minority groups and the Jews were just the first on his list so the people who received this letter would not have would not have known at all about an impending holocaust or could not have imagined it i feel like if i had rec- if i received a letter today from someone begging for me to support them coming from another country i would really have to think hard before i even tentatively responded um that's a big ask. It's a big responsibility. So I don't find myself in the the position of blaming uh, this family. And in fact, I feel like um, there's a, if you want to put it that way, a redemption that they saved this letter um, for, you know, 60 years, several generations, you know, family moved it from one place to another. Um, so the only thing they did, which really you know kind of rankles, me is that uh, the my husband's patient, who who had did a lot to preserve this letter, had a, a church fundraising event where people were collecting stamps, and so she snipped the stamp off of this letter. So that's missing, keeping the letter from being com- a complete record. But even so. Uh, I think this family deserves an amazing amount of credit for preserving what they originally thought was a piece of history. I have to say that when I interviewed the, the woman who gave my husband the letter, when I left, she touched me on the arm and said, Please, I hope you will find out what happened to those desperate people and tell me. I really want to know. I think why this family saved the letter was not what they put out sort of to other people, that it was a piece of, just a piece of history. I think it was a question of the human heart and that they cared what happened back then.
0: So well said, and this has been a, this has been an excellent interview. This book has been a tremendous journey and it's a long journey for you. What kept you going through all of this? What what motivated you, and how do you see it now that you're done?
1: Uh, I see it as a book of questions. Uh, to tell you the truth, when I started it, I really wanted to know. I understood right away I would never be able to answer the question of what, what, why did the Holocaust even happen? How could such a thing happen? I wanted to know how it happened to these this one family, these ordinary people caught in the most extraordinary of times. And I feel that the letter in, its, in different forms is still being delivered today. We are still ordinary people, and we certainly are living in extraordinary times. And there are people still begging, help us, I beg you, you are our last and only chance. So it's a book of questions for people to think about with our lives today.
0: Paris Gazelle, thank you so much for taking on this huge labor of love. Thank you so much for opening your heart to this family, which you and your husband have done. Thank you so much for unwrapping an important piece of history. And thank you so much for helping to pull this family together, this human family, as well as the Berger family and all their descendants. I know it's appreciated. I, I highly recommend that our listeners find this book called The Unanswered Letter, which is out there anywhere that good books are being found today. Thank you for the fantastic job you've done.
1: Thank you, John. I really appreciate your podcast in general. I'm a big fan. And thank you for having me.
0: Thank you very much, Ferris. Take care.
1: Take care.